0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer Podcast. My name is AJ Kearns, and I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists and designers from around the world who help bring some of our favorite beers and breweries to life. This week, we keep that tradition going, we keep the energy, and we do our part to introduce you to someone new. I mean, I guess one could argue all of our guests here each and every week are new, and that's kind of the fun of it. We try to go out of our way to do our research, find these folks, these new guests, new experiences, new stories, right here, 16 Canvas. So this week, episode 162 is the closing, culmination, end of season 14. And this week we have Sean Bodley. He's checking in by way of L.A. on the West Coast. Uh, We came to learn of him from some of the work that he's doing with uh, a wonderful brewery here on the East Coast. Timber Ales. Sean Bodley, spelled like a good Irishman. Seen, S-E-A-N. He's got the bod, B-O-D-L-E-Y on Instagram. And then from there you can find out more information on his Patreon page. You can learn how you can support him, learn what he's doing. And also, if you want to follow along with what's going on with Timber, uh, it's not a Kesha song, but it is a brewery, and they are just killing it. So it's Timber underscore L's. You can find out more information about what the crew over there is doing, and I think that you will be pleasantly surprised. Uh, that is an understatement. So, like I said, this is the end of Season 14. So we, we're really just blown away. We, we just want to take a quick moment, uh, given that one of the things that we like to do here is get a little introspective on life and community and what's happening in and out of the beer scene and just kind of the, the world around us, um, which is always good to do with some really hardcore uh, death metal in the background, which is uh, ironic once you uh, hear and listen to this interview. Sean is very humble and, and soft-spoken, and we really, we're really just happy to, to, to have him, but We just want to thank each and every one of you who's been with us, you know, wherever you're coming in. If you're just jumping in now because of this episode or recently or because of our fundraiser, whatever the reason is you're here, you're here and you're part of our community. You're part of what we're doing. I have to say, I think, you know, humbly saying that we're probably one of the most unique uh, podcasts in craft beer. You know, we're we're proud uh, to be members of the uh, Beer Culture Board. And we're just trying to, you know, keep it interesting, keep it unique, trying to uh, take a spin on things we have tried to brew before. Uh, we will be brewing a beer uh, next month with uh, Hoax and Front Porch Brewing as part of the Black is Beautiful Collaboration Series. Uh, really excited to have the honor to do that and, you know, supporting the, the breweries that are doing that. But these stories are great stories. They're human stories. They're people who are passionate about what they do. We could, you could, anyone could do this. And what do I mean by that? We're just talking to people. We don't have, you know, we have a core set of questions that, you know, at times we'll share with our guests ahead of time to make if they, if you can, if I can kind of vibe or sense that they're uncomfortable um, and just unsure of themselves because artists speak with their art. And so, well, but this could be any industry. We're talking to artists and designers. Uh, you know, in the nonprofit world or in agencies or you know, what have you. There are just so many amazingly talented people in our lives. And if you just stop and take a moment and ask a question, I think now, obviously, we have to do it in a weird, uh, uncomfortable, uh, masked, socially distanced way. Again, as we say each and every week, wear a fucking mask. But Just take the time. It doesn't have to be... It could be your grandfather. It could be a cousin. It could be somebody you haven't spoken to in a long time. It could be a colleague. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them, you know, just ask them something. Take a moment. Put it on your calendar. Maybe 15 minutes a week where you reach out to somebody that you haven't spoken to in a while and just ask them a question. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how they ended up in, you know, city XYZ or how they ended up being your colleague or what what are they doing that weekend and you know, there's a lot of negatives. There's a lot of things that are uncomfortable. Obviously, you know, 170,000 uh, Americans, uh, you know, uh, dying, and, and that could have been, you know, prevented on, on, on some scale. You know, that's awful. But there's a lot of positives, and I, I, I've i made some really good genuine connections with people, and I, I've, I've made an effort to do that, and I've made an effort to, you know, to... To go out of my way to ask questions and check in on people, you know, you can read people by their words, and you can kind of vibe how they're doing. Especially if somebody who you talk to on a regular basis, if you're in a lot of meetings with them, and you know, or you're exchanging emails, or what have you, or even if you see photos or how their their activity on social media. I mean, obviously, we could you know make our own sense of podcast about the you know the the good, bad, and the ugly of, of social media and in some ways how it impacts, you know, uh, you know, human connections and what have you. But if you know somebody or you engage with them a lot, you really can see a lot about them, their activities. And when somebody's off, you know, just just reach out. How you doing? You seem a little off today. I haven't heard for you in a while. Are you okay? And you know, what? nine times, seven times, eight times out of ten, they'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, but thanks for asking, AJ. But, you know, I had a colleague, I I, I shared something on my LinkedIn uh, profile about my son. Uh, Happy uh, belated birthday, Trey. I mean, I didn't forget his birthday, but when you're listening to this, it's after his birthday. Um, He was a preemie, and so I don't really share that story very often. um, But for for a while, I felt uncomfortable. Maybe I felt um, embarrassed or ashamed. I I don't know. But I shared it, and a woman um, who I kind of know, I mean, LinkedIn and social media you're connected or followers or what have you but you're really you know what percentage of those people do you have a real real connection with and I could just tell from the way she worded it and I reached out and I said hey you know are you okay you know we don't talk you know whatever and she's in a different department we're a small company and she said you know what Uh, a friend of mine found out uh, yesterday that you know she has liver cancer and she's really concerned and you know, she's really worried that, you know, it's it's um, you know, it's gonna you know, it, it could be it could be fatal, especially given all what's going on with COVID. And uh, I, I try to be really positive but it's just been really hard today. So, you know, thank you for you know. And we we had a nice conversation and, you know, we went on. Today I checked in just to see how she was doing and how things were going. So If anything, you know, we got a lot of folks that say, oh, you're really natural and super complimentary. And, you know, it's hard for me being so pale not to blush and be obvious, you know, what have you. And it it means a lot. And I don't want to downplay that. But I hope one of the things that you take away is just checking on people and seeing how they're doing. It doesn't have to be this, you know, uh, stereotype of just checking on the elderly. Please do that, obviously, if you have some uh, elderly folks in your life. But, you know just ask how someone's doing, or if you're at a store and, you know, someone is holding the door for you, or there's a person at the grocery store and they have a name badge on, you know, thank them by name. I I appreciate you. Thanks for all you're doing. You know, we can not control a lot of things and that's, that's, we have to realize that, but, you know, we say it and we've said it before, but we can be good humans and we can do what we can to Try to make the world a better place. I think that art and design and creativity and inspiration and finding the beauty in things. I think this episode is inspiring. I think that um, you know this is our first climate artist. I think that that's really important. I think where we are and where we're going, trying to be gr- more green and reduce our carbon footprint, and you know things of of that, you know, for lack of a better term, nature, are really important. And I think what Sean is doing is you know. It's really important, and it's something that I didn't know how important it was until we, we spoke. And so I think it's great. And I think what he's doing is great, and I think that hopefully that you take away something different than beer. We pull you in through our connection to beer. You know, maybe that's our gimmick, maybe that's our hook, but we rarely, rarely ever talk about beer. Um, the new beer from Timber the, the the Lumberjack. It's it's as you know, it's as good as it gets for. You know, I'm a big maple uh, coffee stout guy. And so that to me is just kind of a droll city. And so lumberjack style, you know, I've got the, the COVID beard going. Um, I would rock a flannel if, you know, if uh, Jason asked me to. And, um, you know, I look forward to, to having some of the, the variants. And, you know, he's a, a, a wax master on the, on the bottles in, in the future. But, you know, that's my, that's, that's my jam. But, you know, we use that to bring you in, and we celebrate that, and it's a, it's a beautiful label, and it's a great story. And I hope that, you know, wherever you are, whatever's going on, you know, mental health is really important. It's something that we need to talk about more. If you are listening, my name is AJ Karens. You can reach me at AJ, I keep it simple, at 16oz, for ounces, 16ozcanvas.com. We say we, we say us, we say this, we say them. You know, we use uh, all the different pronouns, but it's me. And if you're if you're alone and you need someone to talk to, you know, whatever, you know, you'll get me. We'll connect um, and I'll do whatever I can to help you, okay? So let's get into it. Episode 162, Season 14 is coming to a close. Uh, look in coming days depending on who you listen to this may already be out our season 15 announcement we have some amazing artists and we're trying to get weird and creative uh, for, for season 16 so without further ado Sean Bodley, good old Irishman name um, which I didn't ask which I that's a the question I really don't ask either but it's Sean S-E-A-N Bod B-O-D L-E-Y on Instagram you can check out his Patreon Patreon uh, site. he's our first climate artist. Timber Ales, Timber. I'm going down. T I M B E R underscore Ales on Instagram. Part of the 12% Beer Project, right there in North Haven. Mr. Alex and the, and the crew there, Zach and everybody, just a you know good crew of folks working hard, adapting, coming out with new ways for us to to drink all these great beers, and uh, we appreciate all of you so. Here it is, folks. Without further ado, episode one hundred and sixty-two, which is not a prime number. It's divisible by two, so uh, which also means it's divisible uh, by eighty-one, which means it's divisible by nine, which means it's divisible by three. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Sixteen Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer Podcast. Very excited to have with us today, checking in from L.A. in the Hollywood area, Mister Sean. Boldly. We came to learn of Sean through the work that he's done with Timber Ales, which is part of the 12% Beer Project right here in Connecticut. And not only have the beers been uh, really great, but uh, the labels have just been something that people have been buzzing about here in Connecticut and you know, as they get out of di- distribution. So we're really lucky to have uh, you know, Sean join us today. And uh, you know, thanks so much you know, for, for being a part of the project, Sean. I really uh, admire your work and I'm looking forward to learning about your story.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, AJ, for having me on and to talk about art and beer and and good
0: stuff. There we go. Yeah, set the bar low, and then we'll we'll exceed expectations. Is is the way we do it? But so you originally mentioned that you're uh, you're from Wisconsin. You're now in the L.A. area. Um, I really, you know, we'll obviously get to how you connected, um, you know, with Jason and Timber. I wanted, you know, the, the what i really love about them um just as a precursor is just that they're really they're really made, like minute each label is like a little uh, is, is, a, is a piece of art and so i really like that that's been able to align you know with with the brand and and really this you know new chapter and you know, you've been really a great addition to that and i think that uh, i've just been more looking forward to to speaking with you at, you know as the as the portfolio is rolled out knowing where things would go and it's just been uh it's been really an awesome awesome to see that so so thanks again sean for for being a part of it Uh, it's uh i'm glad we get to talk
1: well yeah thanks a lot um it's been quite an experience working on these labels um i've never done anything quite like this uh before and yeah it was a pretty kind of special accident to well i wouldn't say accident i guess but to meet jason and um kind of kick all this off together so yeah um, yeah. Well, it's folks at great. home,
0: yeah, folks at home. If you want to follow along, it's uh, Sean S E A N Bodley B O D L E Y, and then from there you can uh, check out his uh, Patreon page, which is uh, awesome, and uh, you know uh, learn more about the work he's doing. His you know freelance illustration, concept design, and climate artist, which I I think you're our first climate artist, so I'm very excited to to see that. know as somebody who's used this uh whatever we're calling this this period of of life uh to stay sane i've you know really made a conscious effort with our hiking and being outside uh and and one with uh nature so i really you know your your paintings and and imagery is really there are places i need to to go and visit you know if they're and and, and cross off the list in, in the future so i really like how you uh you know capture all these beautiful you know places around the you know in, in mother nature oh thanks aj no problem um, my friend so yeah yeah so th- as a precursor to that uh, and i sorry i cut you off there but this is where you really kind of tell your story so kind of uh take us back down memory lane how did you find your your passion for art and you know uh yeah let's just go down memory lane a little bit and uh you know kind of uh, i'll pass the mic to you and see where we end up
1: okay yeah um going way back down memory lane i think a lot of it definitely like my interest in art stems from my grandma um she was um a professional artist um doing kind of concept art she'd make these paper sculptures um Her name is uh, Caroline Greenwald. If you wanna Google her, um, her website has a lot of her work. Um, But when I was around, she wasn't working as an artist, but she would take me to museums a lot. And um, I remember one in particular, uh, it was in Chicago and it was a Monet exhibition. They'd gathered a lot of his paintings together for a big show. And I remember as a kid, standing underneath these massive paintings with full of color i didn't really understand what they were but um i think that was definitely like a moment i remember um to, and now later getting into painting and discovering um, that i love painting uh monet a big influence again so yeah as a kid um, i just drew a lot um you know, a lot like battle scenes, fantasy scenes. I read a lot of uh, science fiction and fantasy and um, like high school and things like that. Um, video games, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, big, a lot of nerd stuff. So if, if you want to talk about any nerd stuff, um, I'm always down to talk about games and things like that. Um, but I didn't really officially study art. Until I went to uh, Milwaukee, I was going to study kinesiology, uh, thinking I'd be a physical trainer or something. Not really sure what I wanted to do, to be honest. But after I started taking drawing classes, I fell in love with it. So, At that point, I'm not really sure what made me want to do art professionally, but I, I was really drawn to it. So, I started working at the student gallery at UW Milwaukee and just met tons of amazing artists um, from all over the US and even some international artists. And it's very cool to see the stuff they were doing. It was very I don't want to say activist but it, it was definitely a lot about um, identity. You know, like, for instance, one one exhibition was this graphic novel that a professor had made of his native indigenous language that was going extinct. You know, the language was disappearing because all the elders, you know, were disappearing. And so he made this artwork that captured uh, his native tongue, you know, before it kind of kind of went away. So artists like that were just so inspiring um yeah i just fell in love with with fine art and the different ideas floating around there so i tried to pursue that in a way uh you know exhibiting in in galleries and hosting shows a lot of diy shows you know and kind of uh it was around the 08 crisis when i was in college and you know there's lots of free buildings um that landlords were open to just people doing uh, shows. And if you knew the landlord, Um, I worked in a studio that was, it was just an old warehouse that no one could rent or sell. But one of my college buddies, uh, Mark David gray, who's also a big mentor of mine. He opened the space up to communal artistry. So anyone who you could pay 150 bucks a month, and it was like a 4000 square foot space. Uh, that was shared. So you could bring in big paintings. You could spray paint. We had some street artists in there. Uh, architects were in there. Photographers, just all sorts of stuff. So really good time in Milwaukee. Those were very formative uh, years for me.
0: Yeah, I love. I love when you just kind of all find people, and it's just uh, that's one of them been the joys of it. I think that as somebody who's you know day job is a little more corporate it can be a little more you know aggressive and so I just think that the support of fellow artists of you know try this do that or hey I have this space would you like to be a part of it and these kind of uh, organic uh, collectives that get formed and and the friendships of of support you know we always say that the best recommendations we get are from fellow artists about people they admire you know even if just passively in the interview when we start following somebody it's always just been a really you know positive uh you know output of all of this so it's uh it's it's really cool to see that was happening you know for you
1: yeah and it, it feels really exciting too you know um to be in that buzz of ideas
0: yeah yeah so, people yeah people yeah. like oh like yeah even just springboarding or i've tried this or hey have you ever think of doing it this way or i use this brush versus that or this technique or just watching somebody you know go for something new that they've never done before and you can kind of just be there and get inspired well they took a chance why don't i try that? i want to try this or you know why don't we collab on a piece or something yeah i just it's i think that uh open-mindedness and support you know really just breeds creativity and you know collaboration regardless of really the industry
1: yeah yeah i totally agree
0: and so while we were talking i looked up your grandmother which is really cool If you know uh, carolyn greenwald i think is it's green W-A-L-D right is that proper right is that how they spell it that's right yeah so I can see how that'd be inspiring I mean these these large you know creative abstract unique pieces you know for you to be around that and just be in her you know in her presence I think that was you know these are really really cool and unique it's uh, carolyngreenwald.com you can see more information there and just the various types of you know uh, abstract and you know line work and just uh, just how it all you know, sculptures and, and what have you. So it's really cool to kind of keep it in the family and, and look back to your lineage and see how it impacted you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she's a force of will for sure. Because um, she was like going through her art education um, when she was supposed to be a housewife, like very strict kind of uh, social norms at that time. Um, so she really overcame a lot. So whenever I think art is uh, hard, because it can be difficult um, in many ways, but, you know, I I think back to her for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way to say it, right? She was breaking the mold in many ways, right, with abstract and unique art and sculptures and creativity, all while trying to, you know, uh, break the confines of what is, quote-unquote, you know, normal gender roles and household roles. And so it's really, yeah, I could see that. be multifaceted inspirational so that's awesome
1: yeah yeah we still talk about art Uh, we chat on the phone Um, yeah
0: I love that yeah it's 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 just great so you're in LA now which is kind of uh, a little bit different than uh, my experiences in Wisconsin so what you know what part of the journey brought you out to you know the big city
1: yeah so in order to get to LA, I went to Pennsylvania first. All right. um, my, my wife, then girlfriend at the time, was she's a scientist. And so she kind of has to go where there are laboratories. And she got work at Penn State. And we moved to a small little town called Lamont, just outside of Penn State. And... She did a five-ish year PhD program and I was you know, I just left Milwaukee, which is kind of all that I knew it was Wisconsin. But yeah, I just tried to start a new life. I don't know, I was trying to do fine art out there, which it just it just didn't really work um for a lot of different reasons, mainly because my interests were still in science fiction and fantasy. And I was trying to approach art, uh, fine art from that direction. Um, But there's a couple, there's a couple threads here. So uh, I actually did find a fantasy fine art convention in Pennsylvania. Uh, It's called a LuxCon. If anyone's interested, they, they usually did it in, it started in Allentown, PA. And then it moved to, no, it started in Altoona and then it moved to Allentown and then to Reading, uh, over about 10 years and it's still going on. And it's a fine art convention of science fiction and fantasy art. So it's like, I don't know if you know, Rembrandt, the painter, or, you know, kind of classical paintings, but maybe it's Gandalf and Lord of the Rings and, uh, or uh, Star Trek or Star Wars kind of storytelling mixed together. So I was, for a few years, I didn't know about this convention. I was just sort of struggling on my own, but a a friend uh, shared it and we drove out there and it blew my mind. So that was a big, a big awakening as well. I think that goes back to, you know, conventions are places where people can get together and share ideas and um, I think all art gets better when when that happens
0: yeah I agree and I'd like I I think there's never been a better time to just be unique and you know f- there's more people you know like-minded folks that are out there and you know, what have you and I think that that's that's one of been the greatest takeaways is kind of you know I don't know you said weird before but I don't know like there's never been a better time to be weird and like to be unique and whatever you know like it's it's just it's really great in that regards and I think I have to connect you with uh Benny Benny Miller he's a artist that we had he's a teacher in Pittsburgh and I feel like he's been he's been to that convention too because you know he, he does a lot of that you know in that in that regards a lot of character and you know sci-fi and movie related work so i'll have to, I'll have to connect you to but that's that i was trying to see if i could find out if from his site if, if it's on there but but yeah it's it's uh i love it
1: oh i'd love to i'd love to see his art for sure
0: so you're this con. so you're you just is that your first kind of like public thing you set up a booth there or did you just go as like a as a you know attendee and kind of like holy shit like these are my people
1: Yeah, it was more of the the second one, Um, just walking in, and it was just like, home, I'm home. (laughs) This is my tribe, you know? Right. Um, And people had come from all over the world, like Croatia, um, Los Angeles, um, all over. Um, Now that you mention it, though, I was, in college, I was setting up booths uh, at fairs and selling different art pieces that I made um so in college I was actually very business-minded trying to figure out like how does one actually make a living at this thing that I'm now going to school for um and so I did for a number of years experiment with um selling at art fairs farmers markets different festivals but this was the first convention where it was like oh my god this is this is kind of what I want to do. Maybe not exactly, but they're using oil paint and classical techniques that I learned in school. Um, but to make really exciting stories and, and narrative art pieces.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. Cause even just, you know, people, you know, we had a guest on recently and he draws like a lot of the art work he does is, you know, famous folks and has like a, Portrait slash caricature vibe to it, but he just kind of honed his art through his love of music and just capturing his favorite bands and you know, artists. And so I think it's just really, I don't know, I think that there's, the mold has been broken and, you know, re, refired and broken again multiple times. And I think that's really great that, you know, you're all given the same, you know, palettes or, you know, canvases and you're able to, even if you keep with the style, come up with unique. You know, unique uh, interpretations of that so it's been really really cool to see now are you completely tactile like hands on painting or do you you know you do do you do digital what's kind of uh what are the for lack of a better term tools of the trade
1: yeah so right now I do mostly digital um and for during the day you know for like uh an eight hour shift and then after that I try to paint traditional um just so i'm not staring at a screen and yeah that tactile quality is it's just so good nothing uh, can replace that um so i've been using gouache paint which is a type of watercolor i don't know if any of the artists on here have have um use it
0: gouache no i mean we've got some watercolor which i love i think it's just a it's been really great to see but um, yeah, do tell gouache. Is that yeah? What, what's the story?
1: Yeah, it's basically super thick watercolor. Mm. So it's chunkier, it's chalkier. Um, it doesn't—I don't know. It's—it's it's weird, but it's very nice for it, very flat, clean shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, watercolor is really good for those amazing bleeds and and the way the water moves the paint. Right, Um, gouache kind of sits down wherever you put it, and so it's very good when you're painting outside as well. Um, It kind of just stays where you want it for the most part.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, that's interesting, right? Because I think the initial, from my limited experience with with watercolor, is that is like the the beauty of it on some level is like the instability of where it's going to go and kind of knowing. How the bleeds are, are gonna, I guess you know, dance around and you know what what comes up next. But the idea that it sits there, yeah, it's kind of uh, anti watercolor in a way, which is cool. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's lazy watercolor in a way because <laughs> I feel like uh, watercolor it's so hard. You have to like, it's all about the flow, right? And um, and the water and and movement. So you kind of have to be this guide for the water, which that's really hard. So uh, I, I applaud people who are,
0: are good at that. Yeah, I, I applaud too, and <laughs> I applaud every week. Basically, I'm just kind of here as the as the facilitator <laughs> of awesome. But um, no, so yeah. And on, our, on our family level, you know, you're mentioning uh, going to Penn State and what have you. Uh, you know, two of my siblings and my brother-in-law are Penn Staters. I wonder if they were there while you were in town. And my my baby sister got her start at Altoona campus, and so and then to tie it all together my wife is a, a science teacher and uh, i was never i was never really good in, in science to be you know i know it's going to be shocking to some people but um yeah so my my appreciation for science as a as a grown-up has uh has increased exponentially so it's a uh, goes you know stem is one of the most important things for school please 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 support support your local schools stem nights scientists teachers end of our public service announcement yeah, definitely. Go science. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a big deal, especially right now. It's just, just putting it out there, folks. Science and data. Hmm. Uh, so, that's right. so you classify yourself as a climate artist, uh, like I said. I think that's the first for us. So, and again, folks, if you're following along at home, which you should be, it's Sean Bodley. Uh, Sean, uh, S E A N, Bodley, B O D L E Y. Then when you're there, you can check out his uh, Patreon site. Please make sure you support your local artist. Um, even though he's in L.A., wherever you are, is local when you're in a virtual world. So please, please, please support and follow along with the adventures. And uh, sorry. So you're a climate artist. Want to give us a little insight about that? I think that's a first for us.
1: Yeah. So I guess going way back, I used to, I guess long story short, um, part of my family was really into conspiracy theories when I was younger. Uh, and so I learned a lot about like um, anti-climate science type stuff. Like I was a climate denier for a while, you know, when I was younger, not really an adult or anything, but I thought it was uh, kind of a fake science thing, but I took a meteorology class in college at UW-Milwaukee and even he was like, I'm not sure what's going on here, but something's going on. And this is around 2009 or so. So I started reading more about it. Um, in Milwaukee, there's all sorts of urban gardening initiatives. There was this aquaponics project where they renovated a, a abandoned train station. and made these aquaponics Um, so I was like got a tour of this you know connected with the art school and it's just amazing stuff you know you see really exciting ways of growing just growing things in a post-industrial kind of landscape so that was really interesting to me and just more and more reading some big sources for like Michael Mann Um, he has several books out that really just break down climate science. He even has one that's like all infographics. So you don't, it's dense still, but like it just kind of answers every question. Um, So, you know, I was drawing like kind of urban utopias in college and things like that. And, you know, I love technology. So I was thinking of all these ways that technology could make um, the world better. Um, there's big trash problems, the oceans, uh, you know, dying kind of issues, but I guess, I don't know. I was trying to, to make this work through the lens of fine art. Um, but it just, it just wasn't really working for me. And it's hard to say exactly. Like, I guess the climate Issue in my mind has just been an ever steadily growing thing from for me, you know, about 10 years ago. And just the more and more you read about it, and the less like you look around you, and things just don't change. Like, we're not moving away from carbon, we're just we just keep moving towards carbon. And I don't know, I consider myself an optimist, but like the more and more you read about science, it's like the world's gonna be really different. And, you know, what is that going to look like? And I just keep getting stuck on this issue. What is it going to look like? Whether um, someone else in Pennsylvania, for instance, I imagined, I, I tried to imagine what it would look like in 50 years, you know, for, for climate change or a hundred years. And, you know, I even experienced a few of the, the aspects of climate change in Pennsylvania. You know, I got, um, tons of ticks, and I even got Lyme's disease for a short period, which all my um, older friends there said 20 years ago, the ticks were not as they were today, you know, and that's, that's just one aspect of it, um, not to mention, you know, weather patterns and other things, so I think it's just been this, like, long-term fusing of learning about climate science, seeing um, issues about climate justice. Start to become very clear, you know things like uh, black lives matter is actually very much tied with the climate movement because um resources are finite and and not equally shared, so as um the climate gets worse those those gaps will get worse, and yeah, I don't know i I guess at a certain point well I will say this uh, um after the election in 2016, that's when I um, made the climate Patreon, I was like, man, I gotta like focus a portion of my art time, you know, take maybe an hour a day and put it into this climate art focus. And so that allowed me to just carve out a little bit of time and start building a a voice there. Um, And in the meantime, I mean, there were a lot of really interesting interactions, like, at Penn State, they have a great meteorology department. I met um, this artist and mentor of mine, Jennifer Kane, and her husband um, worked as a meteorologist there. So I got to have coffee a few times with some of these really amazing climate scientists. Um, and talking with them, I realized like they don't have a PR campaign. Um, you know, Big oil, big fossil fuel, they do have big PR campaigns, but. Um, kind of people who want a sustainable future it's very fringe or it used to be more fringe than it is now Fortunately, I think the tide is turning and and people see that there are problems um, much more than 10 years ago but yeah I think it's still evolving Um, out in LA here I've met some other artists who are really really amazing and also passionate about these issues, and there's been a few uh, international groups that have been started. Um, Artists versus Extinction is one of those. Um, so yeah, I think for me, being a climate artist is about factoring in climate into your artwork, especially if you're in sci-fi or fantasy, because the the idea of like an intergalactic empire or you know really cool things like teleportation or those become more and more fantasy the longer we ignore um, the carbon crisis that we're in so i think sci-fi there's an opportunity for artists to reimagine the future which is you know kind of like the jetsons and you know a lot of older sci-fi artists uh, during the industrial eras were like, whoa, you know, technology is so cool Look at all this cool stuff we can do. Um, We can fly around, we'll have flying cars. It'll be awesome. But now I think it's more about what's the, what are the systems that we can build that are most in sync with nature, that are, that mimic nature the most, that, that take carbon out of the system, um, kind of decentralized, uh, donut economics type, type thinking. So I think that, um, that should factor into science fiction as well.
0: I love that. Uh, I think that, I mean, obviously anytime we can talk about the Jetsons, I think is awesome. I really think think that's a cartoon that would probably with a reboot would, uh, would still, I think be well-received. But right, I think that if you look back, I, mean, I think it's an interesting perspective on the fact that climate, environment impacts so many things, and so when you're creating these unique worlds, you know the reality is if things are, you know, as they are or continue to, you know, evolve or you know, disintegrate, that you know, they they won't be possible, right? And you you look at, you can look at with one of the positives of of the uh, the virus, if you know, if possible, you know, very loosely, but you know you look at. Um, you know, the canals and, you know, different areas, you know, where the the dolphins are coming in closer to towns and animals are freely, you know, roaming through markets. And the the air quality in L.A. right now is probably the best it's ever been, right? So, like, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wow. Why is that? Oh, because, you know, because we're not just out there consuming, consuming, consuming. You know, we're being, It's a, it's a forced pause. And everybody said that we cannot reduce our carbon footprint. You know, what we're doing with the Paris Accord is very... You know is difficult and you know what have you but we're seeing we can do it but people are just you know the the ways to impact those changes you know may put people having to reassess or do things differently and but now when they're forced to or things are limited and you know what's essential non-essential it really shows you that we really can have a positive impact on today and tomorrow just by making you know some changes i do think there's gonna be a lot of positive takeaway from this and how business is run, and what's essential, and the work environment, and, and what have you that I think can, but um, how you're, how you're presenting that story, I think is great, because right, with sci-fi, and you know, in the, the level of creativity, or no boundaries, like even, even thinking like, okay, this, this can't be, you know, your, our, our geeky future, you know, dream sequence uh place, if we can't do this, this, and this, and so I think it's a, it's really smart. So kudos to you in the, you know, in that, in that community. So, um, I, it's something I really never thought about before.
1: Yeah. And I encourage everyone who, who likes to create kind of sci-fi or fantasy art to kind of think about these issues through their own lens. Um, yeah. Cause it's really, a everyone's situation is different too. Um, but at the same time it, it affects us
0: all. Yeah. Right. I think science and data and the environment are things that for the most part, we, you know, they're, they're a leveling or a commonality that that they're shared across. I mean, I think that when you look at social and racial inequalities in the communities and how that impacts, you can, you know, the argument with communities like Flint and others with, uh, you know, the quality of the, of the, of the air and the water, right, their climate is different. And so, you know, resources are allocated based on, I don't know how you want to say it, status or, you know, respect, um, you know, across different communities, you know, racially, socially. And so I think it's, uh, yeah, it makes total sense to me.
1: Yeah, but, um, I have to say one of the, you know, I think it's important to be realistic, um, and and stay on top of the, like the new science as much as possible it's hard but what um what's been really helpful throughout and i think it, it goes alongside the climate artist um i don't want to say well maybe mentality i guess just um is plein air painting and that's i think french for outdoor painting basically um and it's a uh, an old practice but It's where you pack up your paints, your easel or whatever you're gonna paint on and you go outside and you paint. And it can lead to just really great experiences um, sitting out in nature all times of year. Um, And so that's what I did a lot in Pennsylvania because the fine art kind of ideas that I had just weren't materializing, but there's this amazing nature and living close to the wilderness and seeing it change through the seasons, is just so great. So I started painting outside and I even ran a Kickstarter that was to paint. I wanted to paint 10 paintings a month for a year. Um, and it was sort of a strategy to help me get out of my retail job. You know, I figured, okay, if I can get out, if I can raise enough money and then paint for a year and then try to sell those paintings to fill in the difference, you know, I may be able to leave this retail job I was in. And that really helped me just get outside, get painting and fall in love with nature even more. Cause I love video games. Like I used to play, you know, 10 hour days of video games. Uh, at certain periods of my life. And so to get out in nature and just spend hours and hours hiking and painting, that was really great.
0: And we are back. You're listening to episode 162, 16-ounce canvas, Sean Bodley. Tim Brails, climate artist, how you doing? I, I really enjoy talking with Sean. I like hearing his story. I like his perspective and importance of what he's doing. I love the story about his grandmother. That really was, uh, was beautiful, really resonated with me. I think it's just super cool, you know, just to, to have that lineage and appreciation, you know, to both of them. Obviously, right, we have all these different artists and stories that we're telling, and if we gave, you know, we said it before, we try to not repeat the same ideas in the exact same way, but, you know, long story longer. You know, if we were to give all of them the same brief or keyword or idea, we'd get something completely different, and unique, and interesting, and intro perspective and realism and, and just different tools, it paints, you know, Sean's dropping. You know, knowledge about us on a new type of paint that we never heard before, and just you know, it's just a great thing, right? You know, talk. You know, coming up, we'll talk about plein air painting and uh, outdoor painting the experience, kind of uh, becoming one with nature. But check out, his, you know, check out his grandmother, Carolyn Greenwald. and uh, yeah, it's just great. I mean, it's just great. You know, I think people have this appreciation in this story and this journey. And they don't fully kind of uh, appreciate it. I think that you know, funny thing is we're chatty, we, we ramble on. Maybe that's why. But like, we don't get asked to be on other people's podcasts, right? We've done maybe one or two. I've actually probably done more for my day job than I've done for you know beer and the the sixty ounce canvas stuff. But I think that if I was to kind of pull back and look at my story, yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool to do that. So I think that's one of the the cool takeaways from our guests is they look back at their life and. Their journey, right? You know, uh, Midwest to Penn State to, to LA in the name of science and becoming a client a climate artist. And you know, it's in his blood and just doing what he loves and telling stories and you know, using his art for for good. You know, he's on the the right side. He's a uh, you know the good team. And so Sean Bodley, S E A N B O D, L E Y, sixty ounce canvas. Episode one hundred and sixty two. Timber Ales. Do not miss out. Do not skip out on them. Please, please, if you're, if you're, actually, never mind. I mean, I, if if I have some extras, I don't know if I'm going to be sharing any of those lumberjacks, just to be completely frank with you. But, you know, if you want to reach out, we, uh, we're, we're here. We, we, myself and I. So, how the fuck are you doing, everybody? I'm doing great. Keep wearing that mask. We had a great week in Maine. Had our, you know, annual, uh, hang with, uh, Everybody at the Center Get Your Pub, much love. Navari Rez, High Roller Lobster Company, did some swimming, did some chilling, relaxed in the lake, did some cellar diving, some edibles, and just chilling. We love Maine. Yes, we do. We love Maine. How about you? So we are in Bridgeton, we were with the family, went to Portland, we kayaked, went to the lake, we did some hiking, we did some relaxing, we did some drinking, we did some. We we did it all and we didn't do a thing. So It's good to be back. We're excited to have this episode uh, tie into the the Lumberjack-style beer release. We had no idea about that. Um, You know, it's again, we focus on about the artists here, and so while we love what Jason and Timber's doing, you know, we we can't take credit for that. So let's get back into it. Episode 162. Holy shit. So that means we're going to need to do this for, you know, a couple more seasons, and we'll break the big 200. And then we'll have a party virtually, and we'll all get our own cubes on Zoom. And it'll just be, it'll be wild. It'll be crazy. We'll have fun. Here he is, Sean Bodley. you know. What kind of, what kind of games uh, were you playing? And I can't, I have to imagine you're still playing to, to some degree. Obviously, there's, uh, you know, it's uh, once you're a gamer, you're always a gamer, I feel. But, yeah, what's uh, what's on the... What were some of the early? uh, You mentioned Dungeons and Dragons before, but is it video games, board games? What's uh, what 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 do you got there, Sean?
1: Oh man, so I mean, Magic the Gathering was like my first. Nice love, love, I guess. Um, I don't play anymore, but um, then I got into Warhammer 40K, which is a tabletops miniature game, and that's actually my first painting experience was painting those little miniatures. Uh, I hadn't really painted pictures before that. Um, Then I think uh, my main jam is Age of Empires, too. You know, I I used to play it, I still dabble, like occasionally I'll go online. Um, I love those kind of historical games like Civilization. Um, Yeah, anything really nerdy and historical.
0: Yeah, it's fun I mean I definitely uh, you know what was games back then and what's now is, is amazing even some of the it was a final fantasy games you to have, have like 12 discs to play and now you've like can fit that yeah. level of data on like a quarter so it's just amazing what's uh what was good back you know back in the day and so uh, yeah. yeah I think my do you play uh, I mean I have an Xbox um, which I which I was one of the I would. It was the best wedding present we ever got. But I play more. Um, <laughs> my kids play Roblox and Minecraft, which is cool. Uh, you know, occasionally um, I let, I don't have enough time, so I, I tend to fall back, at least in recent years, to sports games. But more so, just because you know, with I find with a lot of these other games that you have to play like all the time to to mm-hmm. level the playing field, and so I don't have that. Uh-huh. Uh, i can't make i can't put an investment like i won't there'll be a week or two i won't play at all and so the idea that i would be you know i'm already bad enough as it is and so with you know with these games and so so sports games usually default just because it's like you know it's pretty black and white like this you know you jump in you jump out but uh you know i'll play like the Fortnite and stuff with the you know with my boys and stuff and they've added a feature where you can you know split screen so it's just more of like the opportunity to you know, to play with my kids. But even that game is smart because t- they their money, the way they make their money is just kind of like these, like, vanity things, like these add-ons and, like, visual things. It's kind but of through
1: but, art, you know, like little art.
0: Yeah, trinkets. it's cool. You've right, even, like, like, dances and stuff. But, like, it, if you can't <laughs> afford that, it's not, it doesn't make you a worse player. You know, right. I think there's some, like, subculture kind of, like, you know, swag to it. But, I mean, I mean... I'm not six years old, so I just I'm like nope. We're not buying that. Yeah, you know, that that dance for you know for five bucks. You know, but I think that's cool. I li- I just like that idea that it levels the playing field. I always hated games where if I didn't play it for a while, you know. But I would say my heaviest commitment period was definitely World of. We had a World of Warcraft like uh, before we had kids, like family where my wife and I would play. My brother-in-law couple of my nieces oh, wow. and after, like we had a whole crew that would play and even that i was pretty low on the totem pole of the of the, of the squad but i went from like why do you guys play that to like having eight hour sessions where you know my <laughs> eyes were like you know in pain
1: bloodshot
0: <laughs> yeah exactly for different reasons right yeah so um it was yeah so i definitely i, I love that and i love the creativity of the you know, the graphics. I mean, Blizzard, the work they do is just amazing. Oh, yeah. So that's always been cool for me. This, is the whole, this whole, like I said before, it's never really been a better time to be a creative person, right? There's so many different avenues that weren't. When I was a kid, it was all 8-bit video games, and, you know, the the differentiation in hockey was, uh, which I still think is amazing, it was, like, super skinny guy, medium guy, and, like, fat guy. Like, that was it. And, you know, there was, that was all you could be. So I, it's come a long way.
1: Definitely. Definitely. That's cool that you, I, you've played Fortnite. I have dabbled a little bit um, yeah, and found it satisfying too, just because uh, you can play a quick game and you don't have to be like practicing um, to, to have fun.
0: Yeah. My six year old has definitely gotten better than me though. That was a, that's been a uh, realization of the, <laughs> of the quarantine is because originally I mean, he's little and like the controllers are an Xbox are, Pretty massive in relation to like the Nintendo, and I remember when he first started playing, he was by four or five, trying just trying it while I was playing. Like he, like from a physicality standpoint, like he just couldn't fit his hands around it. So he, like, oh, man, yeah, he, he like adapted, and he's he's doing all this other stuff, and you know, I'm being called all sorts of you know noobs and whatever, whatever. So <laughs> it, yeah, it's all good, but uh, it's just a good bonding opportunity. That's great. So. So tell us, let's, uh, let's use this opportunity for a good plug, your, your Patreon, uh, what is, you know, what are the, uh, the levels or what do folks get for, for supporting, uh, for supporting your work, Sean?
1: Yeah. So the Patreon's really simple. Actually, there are two ways to support, I guess. Um, the first one, you can just follow it. You may need a Patreon account, but there's, a button near the top where you can just follow and you'll get updates whenever something is released to the public Um, and then there's one five dollar tier which is just it's like five dollars a month and it's just to support the the art series and so you get like early access to stuff you get to participate in the creation like sharing your ideas um, making recommendations or suggestions or requests um so it's there are no physical rewards again like with the project i want to keep it as carbon neutral as positive or as possible um so i don't mail out gifts anymore it's really more an interaction and trying to make a community um so it's still growing and i think we have about like 22 uh supporters 21 supporters right now um but yeah um definitely check it out and just see if you like the art you know um i yeah i always love hearing from people what they think um it may give you ideas if if you're an artist or a creative type i'm just trying to spread um i guess the idea of climate art because there are a lot of artists doing it but it's it's very under underground in a sense like it just has not um poked its head up and, and become mainstream. But there's a lot of artists um, playing around with this stuff. So I'm sure that some, a lot of your listeners have ideas as well.
0: That's a That's a good, uh good point there. So it's Sean Bodley, scene if, if for, uh, for the Irish folks, S E A N Bodley, B O D L E Y. And uh, you know, there's a Patreon link there as well. And you can, you know, you can follow on that. I think one of the, uh, there's a beautiful photo. It's kind of like uh, the Earth within, like it's like a jellyfish of a shell, like breaking open, and you know the the water coming, water crashing. So I think it's a lot of metaphors there on you know, take care of the Earth and what have you. But I think it's just uh, some really great pieces there. So I think that that's uh, really cool. Yeah, check it out. Definitely. So we'd be we'd be a mess if we didn't mention uh, again sean's doing work uh, for timber ales which is a great brewery that if you're not checking out what they're doing you are missing out they're part of the 12 percent beer project jason is just uh he was a world-renowned home brewer and went forward and decided to you know share his uh recipes and his vision on a larger scale you can follow along with them at timber underscore ales remember to support our crew over the 12 uh, beer project so You've now done, I mean, I, I, it's gone from like, okay, you were doing one or two here to, I think if memory serves me correctly, we're at one, two, three, four, like seven, eight, maybe nine labels already, if not more to date. So, which I think it's already, you know, in this short period of time, it's just kind of been like, it's been exploding, which has been awesome to see.
1: Yeah, it's felt really fast paced. Um. I I have to give a big shout out to my good friend, Casey Klug, who connected Jason and I, and he used to go to beer tastings with Jason in New York. And, uh, you know, my friend had heard that, or knew that Jason was a home brewer, but then I get a call and, um, you know, he's looking for an illustrator, um, like today, you know, or like yesterday, um, because the the whole brewing expedition he was going on just like started very, very quickly. Um, and we just started making labels. So for each label, he had a story, an idea, and we would talk about it and sketch it out. And so it's been really great working with him and having him kind of like shape these really nature-based ideas. Mm-hmm. And then getting into the beer, um, he sent me a few cans and yeah his beer is amazing so right
0: now so take a step back so your friend so so jason's you know, a little behind the curtain so jason's looking for you know for this to take off and it, it really i mean it's been amazing to see like i said we're spoiled here in connecticut because the brewed out 12 percent. jason's in uh new york city and so for for us to get those here you know it has been i'd say it probably lasts i think we're only like six eight months tops and it's already been kind of a, a staple but How is that process from the early, like, like what is the interview process like for like a label artist? Like, was it, Hey, I like your work. Can you give me a couple of proofs of the idea I have? Or just kind of, you guys got along, you know, I had a good, uh, you know, call and, and went well. What was that like?
1: Yeah. Like talking with him, I felt really good just about like him and everything that he was trying to do. And I've, I've always wanted to do a label design. You know, I'd done a couple local wineries in Pennsylvania, but this, yeah, you know, I love craft beer and I do shop based on the label quite a lot. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, it was kind of a dream come true in a sense, because again, I was trying to um, transition careers more focusing on art. And so this project really helped me try something new. I'd never done beer labels. And, you know, the first six labels were pretty hard because we were figuring out the style. I was trying to figure out a style as well. Um, He's really easy to work with, so that was great. And, yeah, I think we're actually at about, I want to say 12, maybe 12 or more, labels because i know there's a few more beers coming down the uh the pipeline but um yeah it's just been uh, kind of a whirlwind <laughs> to be honest but i feel like we're in a groove now yeah
0: yeah i think that they're really yeah I'm not, they're really vivid i really like that they um you know they the the they tell kind of a story each of them you know there's you know with, with the names of the beers that he uses but i, I love that they're just so nature focused and even you know the, the focus on you know on the pets and you know the animals which i think you know part of the nature mm. capture but they're really just you know like you, know, you look at uh, like star searching which is you know basically like if you've ever gone hiking and you find like a clearing of, of trees and you can just like a look up and you see that first like at nighttime you know you know, mm-hmm. sight, you know, of, of of the stars and just kind of a clear sky. And you can just imagine, you know, being on a camping trip and just laying on your back and just checking it out. And I, I just think each of the stories has kind of that, you know, that feeling of of what, of you know, you could, you could be there. You could just kind of hop in and be telling that story from like a first-person, you know, narrative, which is always kind of fun, you know, right? Art tell, continues to, to tell stories. And a lot of times there is a story with it, which I think is, goes to you know your point that jason's probably you know very clear and focused on what he you know what he does which allowed him to you know be a great great brewer yeah yeah so um, those dogs are so cute yeah, yeah right yeah exactly i think that it's just a fun you know way to do that and tie it together which is cool and you know i think that uh yeah it really it really works you know and there's uh the, I, I really enjoy um you know insomniac's daydream which is like you know the Early morning, uh, kind of sunrise, what have you? And, you know, we've all been there to see the the dawn of the day and what have you. So, I, yeah, you're, you, the way you do the skies are just really great. I think they really capture what's going on, which is which is a nice touch to everything. Oh, thanks, AJ. So, how do you? you know, you're on. You're on a separate coast, You know. Uh, like I said, Jason's pretty detail oriented. so how, how how is that process from uh, you know, okay, I have a new beer coming up or I have this idea of something I'm thinking of doing. How do you guys kind of uh, what's like the project management time frame? How do you guys kind of work on you know what's you know what's coming up next and you know bringing the vision to life?
1: Yeah, well it's it's definitely like um, steadied out. The process is usually the same, like either he'll start with the, the beer name, um, which has a story attached to it and we'll either talk on the phone or, um, he'll send me photos. And then what I do on my side is I'll take his photos and then I'll research more photos and I will study them. And so I'll do a little like. 30 to, yeah, 32 an hour long studies where I will, um, for instance, Insomniac's Daydream, I just studied sunrises, um, just painting uh, digitally, um, just studying them and just trying to learn what makes a sunrise and then coming back to his ideas and which usually his ideas usually fuse two things together. I think Cosm of Darkness has uh, like New York City meshed with um, I forget if I forget which state it is uh, but a state uh, brewing company I believe um, one of their bridges you know so fusing different worlds together and then I'll send them a sketch it either is the right direction and I can keep going or it's usually way off. Um, cause sometimes I get a little creative and then, you know, we focus back in and, and come up with the design that I'll, I'll finish up. So it is pretty structured, but it's, yeah,
0: yeah, it's pretty structured. Okay. Now you were saying before that these are, are these majority done digitally as well? Is that easier just for the, the process or are you doing these with your, your, your quash uh, watercolors?
1: these are all digital. Um, That's cool. But one thing that really helps is that outdoor painting. Um, There's nothing quite like sitting outdoors and trying to paint what you see because everything is moving, the sun is moving, the colors are changing. And it's the sort of purest form of getting the light. And so when you're doing digital, it's very easy to get all like too digitally and it just looks wrong. So going outside helps you, I guess, keep that um, traditional look because a couple people have asked, are they traditional or digital? Um, which makes me happy because I want them to feel a little traditional, even though I'm using the digital tools.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think that was one of the, that's one of the for me, the joys when it's hard for me, even knowing that Intel for hard for me to say, okay, this one, because a lot of times we'll see it. Okay. I started doing them and then I just realized I couldn't continue to do right. Quote unquote, traditional style just because of timing or deliverables and what have you. But when you can't tell at what point, you know, it started or or, or didn't, it's really, uh, it's really nice. Now, are you using, um, iPad pro or using a Wacom home tablet. What do you, what is the, uh, the digital tool?
1: Yeah. So I, um, I do a lot of sketching on the iPad pro. Okay. Um, and I do a lot of pencil as well, a lot of pencil and pen, but for his work, since color is a big thing, I like uh, procreate on the hmm. iPad. That's pretty nice. Yeah. That gets um, a lot of good reviews. And then there is a program that I think your listeners may enjoy trying that's not super well known because it's very new. Um, It's called Heavy Paint. It's just one word, Heavy Paint, and you can put it into any app store um, for PC or tablet or whatever. And it's built by an artist out here who is very skilled at that outdoor painting. So it's actually kind of It looks like a retro painting program, Uh, very, very simple, but it forces you into those kind of traditional mindsets like uh, one layer, you know, no multiple layers, uh, one layer, um, very limited controls. Um, And then uh, I do use Photoshop a lot as well.
0: That makes that makes sense. A lot of the the color, yeah, the colors have a good contrast and are super. They they all pop and they are a little part of the story, which is which is important. Yeah. Now, how much time are you giving? This is always you know this is put Jason on blast here. But how much time do you have to <laughs> to, to, to work on these labels?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's really tough. Um, because each one is slightly different and I do keep tabs on the time because, you know, like the wage, like with illustration, if you um, have a flat rate, the speed with which you work is, uh, changes that, that rate, but the quality has to be the same, you know? So, um, I think for like really tough ones were the ones with the dogs because I would have to do like two hour studies maybe um, of each dog to, because when I, like, if I don't do that, then I try on the final label and it just looks terrible. So I'm kind of a kind of artist who has to study. Um, and so, yeah, some of them maybe, oh, I'm trying to think like actual hours.
0: I just um, mean like because, I, yeah I don't um, want to yeah we don't want to sh- share too much if you don't have to I just kind of mean like okay new beers coming out like are you is it like in a month or do you need it like in 2 weeks like how much time are you giving oh, I to kind of like yeah we don't need your, your billable you know we got to okay, keep some okay. it. yeah 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 um, which you know yeah that's the one question we really don't ask folks is just cuz I don't it changes and again rewind. all right So yeah, what I'm just trying to figure out is, okay, you guys talk, and how much time do you have between you need to get it done to the beers coming out?
1: Yeah, so there's this, like, um, we have this approval phase where, you know, we have to get it legally approved, so what we do is we'll try to race to that approval. We'll get a design that's, like, ready for approval um, and send that in, and then while that's brewing I guess because it takes like three weeks or so to get that approval then I work on the final Um, so it is this kind of like because we were so fast paced like usually they have these labels before this point but you know we get a sketch in and then I finish it and then sometimes I'm working on multiple labels at a time so it's like one's in sketch phase and one's in render stage and um, so it can fluctuate but with the the hourly timing, now that we've worked together, like, it, it just feels really um, smooth, I guess. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And then before we said, uh, you know, you said you're a beer guy. So is there any styles of beer that you're currently enjoying that are maybe what you use while you're creating? Or what's uh, what's in the artist's fridge?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I did, I had to stay away from dark beer for a long time. I think um, from some antibiotics or something, I'm not sure why, but I've recently been able to enjoy it again. And Jason's like stouts and um, yeah, his stouts, like I've been enjoying those. Um, So I've been picking up more stouts at the grocery store occasionally. When I paint, I like typically a lighter beer, you know, um, I'll have like one or two at night when I'm sketching, just kind of chill out and yeah, relax for the end of the night.
0: Yeah. yeah, That works for me now, given it was a kind of a new medium for you, do you remember the first can that, you know, that, that Jason sent you or that you saw that had your art on it? Was that, you remember that experience?
1: Yeah, I, it was pretty, it, it felt pretty good actually, just because like, yeah, I'd never experienced anything like that. Um, seeing my art up in a supermarket, you know, um, I've had, or I mean, he also takes really beautiful photos um, and a bunch of photographers on Instagram. It's, it's cool to see like people taking photos, really nice pictures. Um, yeah, it's a huge honor. I mean, It really is to to get your work out there and to be part of a project together like one thing that strikes me about timber ales is how many collaborations they do um i don't know if that's typical but uh it's always cool seeing the different breweries he's working with
0: yeah yeah it is cool to see that it's just everything is really from my uh limited interaction has been really thought out and just planned and just kind of uh You know it fits that so i just uh it's nice to be able to hear how how you guys plan it together i think it's just really smart it makes a lot of makes a lot of sense and yeah it's just uh it's really cool to see that you know how it's evolved so so quickly and uh it's become become a staple of you know not the next release but what's the next label going to look like so you know kudos kudos to you on that one Sean.
1: Thanks, AJ. Yeah,
0: it's been a thrill for sure. Well, well awesome. So we got two more questions here. Uh, I think we'll go with the, yeah, let's go with this one first. Um, as somebody whose you know, career's evolved and you know you kind of have found you know your 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 niche and something you're really passionate about, but it's kind of your journey literally, you know, from you know Wisconsin to Pennsylvania now to LA is you know it's been been fun but do you have any advice for somebody maybe you know earlier on in their their career or maybe just thinking about going for it do you have any uh, yeah any advice from the the trials and tribulations of becoming a, an artist um let's
1: see I I have um I guess one thing I would say that's really important is to carve out creative time for yourself um, if you have like a longer creative drive or or like idea or something that you really want to aspire to I think it takes a daily discipline so something daily that you can do and just carve out a little space whether it's five minutes ten minutes or half an hour like um that really helped me get through the hardest periods I've experienced so far um doing daily drawing is my my uh time or space i guess so hmm. yeah make space for your your own creative ideas
0: now going going digital does that allow you to have a little more freedom so you're always kind of creating but not having to worry about the kind of confines of uh, of like a studio or that like sit down which is kind of you know especially with painting it can be you know a little overwhelming yeah it's heavy
1: um the traditional can be heavy. Um, Yeah. Digital is great. You know, the, I used for a while, the heavy paint app just on my phone. So when I was waiting in lines, I could just kind of do a little sketch there. Um, Yeah. I, I think digital is great. Um, Don't forget the traditional. Like if you want to do something digital, I think it's always good to learn the, the analog route of it.
0: Yeah, oh, I totally yeah I totally agree. I've uh, some of our early college radio recordings on cassette tape, which I'm trying to get digitized. By just looking at them, is like we've come a long way. We've come a long way. Oh
1: wow, wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, and then let's see. This I think this is the last one, but we'll see where it goes. Um, when you're creating, do you have certain music, or you know, is there? What's the kind of, for lack of a better term, paint the picture of what's going on when you're creating, do you, or do you silence? Do you have certain bands? Are you, you know, what, what's going on in the background?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I usually have something on Okay. Uh, when I don't have something on and I have complete silence. It's because something is so hard that like any noise, like I just, it breaks my focus. Um, so it, that's when I don't listen to things. It's when it's like the hardest. Um, But actually I've realized there's kind of a flow to it, my process now. So if, if I'm really thinking about something, I'll have music with no words usually. So I mean, anything from techno music to, I love heavy metal. So like a lot of um, like dark Norwegian metal, it's just kind of droning. Uh, I can really, just sort of um, turn off the, the wordy side of my brain and just just draw and, and think like that. Um, when it's more boring work, I'll do podcasts um, so that I can actually enjoy kind of listening to a conversation and then get through the, the tedium.
0: All right. Now, some of the bands that you're listening to, what are these uh, Norwegian death metalers?
1: Um, you know, the ones that I... I, I like a lot, but um I come back to um Amana Mars, uh Uh some of these people may be Swedish, so I don't want to offend them. <laughs> but uh yeah, Enslaved is a, a classic one. I like some American like Lamb of God. Um those are the ones I think I come back to a lot. But uh, there's whole playlists like Mastodon is another one that I love, Opeth, um, or a few other guys out there.
0: All right, cool. And uh, if you're not going as hard as the, the death metal, what, else, what other bands do you listen to? This is just a little self serving question, but it's always just fun to get turned on to new bands.
1: Yeah, um, to be honest, I listen to this local radio station here it's called uh, kcrw mm-hmm. and it's they have really really good djs and um one of them uh their name is uh, jason bentley and he plays like trance mixes at night um and so i'll discover artists through that you know i don't buy albums as much anymore so i i can't remember all of them but i do like uh, listening to different dj shows and okay just hearing what they have yeah
0: awesome well we uh we did it my friend so i uh i think that this was a, a big success and i you know appreciate you being part of this and uh we should go live in a couple of weeks so it's going to be a quick turnaround and uh really just uh really proud to have you be a part of the the project
1: well thanks again for having me on aj and taking the time to talk and um, let me share some of the the climate ideas and um, a little bit about Timberale's art process. So, oh yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right,
0: my friend. Uh, at some point, we'll get together and we'll have some timbers in, in person. But uh, until then, uh, if there's anything I can do to support, you know, please keep me updated. And you know, just thanks once again, Sean, for for being a guest.
1: Hey, thanks a lot, AJ. All right, talk really to you soon. It.
0: Cheers. Take care. Bye. Peace. And there you have it, folks. Episode 162 is in the books. It's out there in your webs. Enjoy it. Let us know where you're enjoying it. We've got our website, 16ozcanvas.com. We've got the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. You can get us wherever it is you're getting your podcast on, Spotify, Apple, I think Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. I think if you yell, Alexa. Alexa, Google Play, Alexa, Alexa. Add the 16 ounce canvas to my shopping list. So we bring it, we're doing it. And right, got this metal music, which I love the fact that he's all about, you know, Swedish or Norwegian death metal and, you know, soft spoken one with nature and he's just rocking the fuck out to like to metal and train. It's, it's just great I mean yeah so I don't listen to metal music I mean I am right now but uh, that, I don't know I love it I love it I love it I just love people people are unique you know it, it's a beautiful thing so great takeaway, good perspective Sean Bodley Patreon Sean Bodley Timber underscore L's climate art we got you know science stem it's important kids are going back to school we're worried you're worried it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting but like I said before we are here for you we are a community we're really proud of this episode We're really proud of everything that we're doing together all these wonderful people from all around the world if you are an artist if you know an artist um, please 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 uh, put them in touch uh, we're also, you know, just doing what we can. Please check out beerculture.com, culture with a K, because we are changing the culture. And uh, Forta Kids is our current fundraiser. We've got, I think, just under thirty breweries around the country who are participating in the back to school drive. Twelve percent is one of them. Thanks, Norm. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everybody. Together, everything helps. If you can only give a dollar, if you only give a glue stick, if you only give a pencil. If we all help each other out a little bit, it makes the world a better place. I believe that. It's bigger than beer. And remember, just be a good human. We love you all and uh, hope you're safe. Please wear a fucking mask. Get a cool mask. Do it up. You know, I've got some Philly sports ones. Hopefully when we talk to you next week, at least one of the teams is still playing. I think the Sixers are, are fucked. But, again, we love you all. Until next week, I would love to do this like metal scream, but I don't know how that would go. So maybe next week. (sighs) Nice work, Shawnee. Be safe, everyone. Season 15 starts next week.